0: good evening again. You can take your copy of God's Word and turn to Revelation chapter number two and we will camp out here in just a minute in verses eight through eleven of Revelation chapter two. Um, The last time that we were together on a Sunday evening, we, we began to move into chapter 2 of Revelation, and in doing so, we began to move into that section that has the seven churches of Asia Minor. I told you that those were seven literal historical churches that actually existed, uh, they were very real and that those churches are contained here in the book of the Revelation to uh, give you a picture of the body of Christ, the church, as it is throughout all of time, at all time, so that we see and have a picture of the body of Christ and the things that are going on in, in the body of Christ. And so um, these are not representative of different epochs and ages of the church in history, but of all of church history. And so you can you can go today, today, right now today, you can go and find examples of churches that reflect Ephesus. You can go and find churches that reflect like those in, that in Smyrna or Philadelphia or Thyatira or Laodicea or Sardis and um And it goes on and on and on. They are representative of the body of Christ at all times, including right now. And you can go to individual churches and you can find individual believers as members of the body of Christ that look like Ephesus or Smyrna or Thyatira or Ephesus or uh, Philadelphia. You can find them intermingled and mixed within congregations. So um, this is a word that is very relevant to the church today. And it speaks to the church today in these Seven churches. Seven, uh, remember numbers are very important in the book of Revelation. They carry weight, they carry meaning, and seven being perfection. I take that to mean this is a perfect picture of God's church throughout all time. And when you look at it, you realize just how messed up the church can be. You know, five out of seven of these churches are rebuked and told to repent. (laughs) Wow. So uh, only two of them are not told to repent. And one of those that are not rebuked and told to repent, they're going to suffer. And they're going through suffering. And it is that church that we're going to tonight. The church in Smyrna. So let's read together uh, verses 8 through 11 of Revelation chapter number 2. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, he who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue or a synagogue of Satan do not fear what you're about to suffer behold the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days you will have tribulation be faithful unto death and i will give you the crown of life he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches the one who conquers Will not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Praise God for a church like Smyrna. I pray that um, we in Valdosta would have the qualities like that that are expressed in, in Smyrna. Though I pray we don't have to go through the troubles that they had. I pray that our experience would be more like that church in Philadelphia. We'll see that when we get there. But I do pray that we would would be a church like this where there is no rebuke from our Lord. But in a town called Smyrna, the Lord birthed a church. And in that place, God was going to bring much glory to his name. Now, Smyrna, geographically, was about 35 miles north of Ephesus. It uh, was also along that area of Asia Minor, um, that same area where a lot of these churches are found, which is, is, of course, modern-day Turkey. in that area uh, was sometimes called the Ornament of Asia or the Flower of Asia. Smyrna was, in the Roman Empire, was what's known as a free city. And, and Cicero said of, of Smyrna that it was, and I quote him, it was one of their most faithful cities, faithful to the, to the empire, one of their great ancient allies. And it was in Smyrna that... Uh, You found the center of the emperor cult, the The Roman cult of of emperor worship, where they would worship Caesar, where they would want to burn incense to Caesar, and they would want people to say Caesar is Lord and and bow in submission. So this this type of cult practice was going on there. Um, There there was much idolatry there. I tell you, this town was just as wicked as Ephesus was. Okay, it was still wickedness. It's a different kind of wickedness, but it was still wicked there. There was great wickedness going on in that city. Now, in the Bible, the only place we, only record we have of Smyrna, right here. Now, a lot of what I know about Smyrna and its environment and its culture, we know from extra-biblical sources because it 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 was a real town. As a Matter of fact, it is the only one of these cities that is still. In existence today. It's not called, of course, Smyrna now, but it's Izmir in Turkey, which is one of the, the second largest port city compared to Istanbul. So it's still an actual city there, and in that place, God birthed His church. But despite all of the idolatrous culture Despite all of the worldly forces at work around them in that culture. This church stood firm. This church stood firm on the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were faithful to Him and were willing to be faithful even unto death. And how I pray that we would be like Smyrna. And I just want to... Let you see some things about this church here. Um, this church, like, I wish I guess give you about five things, maybe. This church, um, like all the churches, um, they needed to be reminded about something. This church specifically needed a special reminder of who Jesus was. That's why when we we find that, he opens up here and He says, how does he, he identify Himself? He identifies Himself as, these are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Now you'll notice that when we were in Ephesus and you'll notice when we were in any of these other churches, that Jesus reveals something about His glory. Remember, Revelation is the revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ. And He reveals something about His glory. And each of those revelations is unique to the church and is unique to their situation. And it's to help them in the midst of what they, as a local congregation, are going through. And here he is is revealing himself to them as I am the first and the last. I hold everything from the beginning to the end. I am the one who is dead and now I'm alive. In other words, I hold everything from the beginning to the end. I am the victory. And you have the victory because I have the victory. And you need to know that even though you're going to go through, and he's going to talk about this, you're going to go through some hard times. You're going to go through some fierce tribulation. I want you to understand even though it looks like everything is crumbling in your church environment in Smyrna, you need to understand that I have held you from the beginning to the end. I've got everything. I am sovereign. I am in control. I am the victorious one. And everything you walk through, I am working in conformity to my plan and purpose for your life, and it is to bring me great glory and it is to bring great good into your life. And so he's giving a personal revelation there. They needed a special reminder of who Jesus is. They needed a reminder that even though it looks like they're facing defeat. Even though there are believers in Smyrna that will die because of their confession of faith, they got the victory. They got the victory. That's why Jesus reminded them I am the one who died and I am alive forevermore. Oh, the victory we have in Jesus. You remember the victory as Paul described it over in the book of of, uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter number. Fifteen. Let me, let me just sort of remind you of, 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 of that and let you rejoice in that so that you, no matter what you're going through, can remember that we have great victory in Jesus Christ because of what Christ has done for us through the resurrection of His body. But in beginning in verse 54 of 1 Corinthians 15, we read these words. when the the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in other words, because of this great victory that we have, this victory over death, the death that you will face and I will face, this death, what does He say? He says, therefore, my beloved, Brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your Lord, your, that the that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. They needed to be reminded of that. They were losing friends, they were losing family, being put to death, all because. They named the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Wow. Wow. So they needed a special revelation of Jesus Christ. And they got a special revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, Secondly, they were a church, and, and this is obvious Smyrna was a church that was under pressure, they were under great pressure. That word there where where the Bible talks about how you'd have tribulation. That word there is one that means to press or create pressure. It's a word that has been used of juice being squeezed out of grapes. All the forces of the world were going to be pressing down on them and it was going to be squeezing stuff out of them. But let me tell you what the pressure, uh, external forces and pressure squeeze out of the church, those that are truly the church. You know what squeezes out of us? Jesus. Jesus. You see, when all the world's forces of tribulations are calling everybody else to turn on each other, when you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, what ought to come out of us is the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ in the midst of what we face. And so it was in Smyrna. He says there in in Revelation chapter 2, Notice his, his language. Notice what he says. He says, I know your tribulation, in verse 9, and I know your poverty. He says, I know. I know it. Oida, in the Greek. He knows it. He see, not only does he see it, but he, he really perceives the reality of what you're going through. His eye is on it. And God saw exactly what they were going through. And God knew exactly how to use the affliction to mold them into a holy people. The pressure of affliction can serve as moral protection. It can serve as sanctification. For Smyrna, the pressure prevented them from standing in the need of repentance. Let me tell you why they probably did not need to repent and why they didn't fall into some of the troubles that some of these other churches did. Because they were under the fire. They were in the midst of troubles and trials and tribulations. And you know how the the effect that that has upon God's people. David said, or the writer of Psalm 119 says in verse sixty. 7, he says, and in verse 71, he also says, says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. And then he said again, he says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Saints, I tell you that today in the United States of America, the American church, a lot of expressions of the American church are in need of tribulation. We think, oh, tribulation's not for us. But I tell you that tribulation is for the people of God. And the people of God have never, hear me now, have never been exempt from tribulation. Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, He promised, in this world you will have trouble. And that word, tribulation. But be a good cheer. I have overcome. The world. Tribulation has a sanctifying effect on the people of God. It has a way of burning out the dross of our flesh. The rot of our flesh. It has a way of purifying us. And that is the effect it was having on those in Smyrna. If that is what it takes for us to be able to, be able to not have to stand in need of repentance and rebuke. Then so shall it be. So shall it be. Now. They were a church even though. And and let me also say this about that tribulation. Notice. In the text it mentions that the historical Smyrna. There were some of them that were going to go through something for ten days. Now it's not so important that it was ten days. He could have said ten years. He could have said ten Again, remember numbers are important in the book of Revelation. And so when I read that, that says to me, understanding that ten is the number for completion. That you're going to go through tribulation and it's going to be complete. It's going to be exactly what you need. It's going to be the fullness of exactly, completely what you need as a church. Because you see, you're not walking through tribulation just to hurt. You're walking through tribulation for God to accomplish purpose for His glory. And it's going to be exactly what you need. So they were were a church that that was under pressure. They were a church, though they were a church that was under pressure, notice they they were a church that was rich in Jesus Christ. Even though He says, I know your tribulation and I know your poverty. I'm not just talking about a little absence of money. It's one of those words it's that word that's for abject poverty. I know you don't have anything financially. You are truly dirt poor, Smyrna. But I know you are rich. And you're probably richer than all the big wigs with all the degrees over in Ephesus. You're rich. You're rich. How were they rich? He says, I know your your poverty. Wow. How were they rich? They were rich in two ways. They were rich in Christ. And they were rich in suffering for Christ. Now that's not my opinion. I think the Bible would teach us that. They were rich in Christ. You can Paul says something interesting over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 in verse 9. Listen to these words in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. In verse 9 he says this, Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Rich in him, heirs in the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You've got more than anyone could ever begin to fathom or imagine. You may not have much in the bank account, but you are rich in Jesus Christ. Now that is good. And you're rich not only in Christ, you're rich to be suffering for Christ. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Peter writes about that blessing of suffering for Jesus Christ over in in his little epistle of, of 1 Peter. I'm um, over in 1 Peter uh, chapter number, I think it's chapter number 4. And uh, let, me, let me show you this. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Beginning in verse 12. Listen to what, what Peter says. He says, "Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the nature for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the Spirit of glory, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you." Do you hear that? The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And he goes on and he says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. If it begins with us, what will it be? The outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God. And... If if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And then over in chapter 5 and in verse 10 after he talks about the sufferings that the devil will bring upon your life. Because He will, believer, and, and God permits it and even decrees it at times. And so in verse 9, He tells us to resist Him firm in your faith, knowing that at the same time that the kinds of suffering are being experienced by your, by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. And after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, that's good to know that, to realize that. They were a church that was, they were, they were rich in Jesus Christ. They were rich to be suffering for the name of Christ. And I pray that we would know the riches of the poverty of the soul like they did. So they were a church that was rich in Christ. They were a church with a particular problem. They were a church that was being attacked by what the scripture calls the synagogue of Satan. They were, and guess what? So were we. Now at that time, this had to do with some so-called Jews that were attacking them. It comes in different labels today but it's still a problem for the church but they were you see who who were these in smyrna though these these were those religious jews who claimed to be the seed of abraham Uh, they claimed to be perhaps even claimed to be listen they may have even claimed to be messianic jews followers of christ but they were not they were they were really of their father the devil and in there uh they brought Persecution and slander upon the church in Smyrna because of all that they were doing for the Lord. Now, the synagogue of Satan is within every church. The synagogue of Satan, there will be remnants of it even here at Valdosta. It's real. You see, there are those that will creep in among you that think they are of of Abraham as well. They are okay with God, but they are not doing the work of our Father God. They're doing the work of the enemy. You see, Paul describes these people well. He describes exactly how they look. He he describes it over in 2 Corinthians chapter number um, 11. These these, uh, members of the synagogue of Satan, if you will, And in in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, he describes it like this. And I'll begin reading in, in verse number 12 of chapter 11. And what I'm doing, Paul says, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those that would like to claim in their boasted mission that they work on the same terms we do. For such men are false apostles. Deceitful workmen. Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also distinguish themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So this was their their problem. Now today... The synagogue of Satan does not so much put us to death literally, but they will attack true believers with their words. And they aim to kill uh, with their words, but that's okay. Because Christ is our Lord. And the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon us, not them. Okay. So, I believe this revelation is here in Smyrna so that we won't be surprised when we realize, oh, oh, The devil has his people right among us, in the church, wearing Jesus' clothes and Jesus' labels. But they're not of Christ. They're of a different spirit. The spirit of the evil one. Now that's a reality. We don't like to think like that. That there are those whose father is not God but is the devil. Jesus said that in John chapter 8. When he was talking to the Jews on one occasion, he said, they talked of Satan. He said, he's a liar and the father of lies. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. That's not real politically correct to say that now. But the Bible says it. And it's a reality. It's a reality. So they were attacked by the synagogue of Satan. They were persecuted, and here's the fifth thing we can see here, they're, they're persecuted even to the point of, of death, even to the point of death. Jesus says, you know, you've been afflicted and persecuted, but there's more to come, and you must be faithful unto death, unto death, and Smyrna Christians were being put to death. Remember I told you in the beginning about how it was the center of, of, of the worship of Caesar, there and so there were Christians being put to death because they would refuse to bow their knee to Caesar and confess that Caesar was Lord. Um, some fifty or sixty years after the Book of Revelation was probably penned, uh, we we do know that the Jews, this synagogue of Satan, uh, wanted to seize a guy by the name of Polycarp. Now you may know Polycarp from. From history, He's not in Scripture, but he was actually one of the pastors or bishops of the Church of Smyrna. And these Jews wanted him to seize Polycarp and put Polycarp to death. And so they, they did. But uh, Polycarp perhaps remembered the words of Jesus to be faithful unto death. And, and Poly- I had a quote from Polycarp that I wanted to share with you. Um, Polycarp said this, and I quote him. He said, eighty in six years I have served Christ, nor has he ever done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? And he's talking about blaspheming him by bowing the knee to, to Caesar. And he goes on and says, I bless thee for, uh, the, uh, for finding me worthy of this day, th- this hour, that I may be among the martyrs and drink the cup of my Lord Jesus Christ, end quote. He wasn't worthy. For him, this was an honor because he understood what we always are trying to run from that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And you got to remember that. You need to remember that whether you're facing persecution or not. You got to remember that whether God chooses to give your healing physically to you right now or He chooses to manifest that healing for you in His presence. The healing comes. Oh, we don't like to think like that. But we've got to have an eternal perspective on things. And realize that this life is but a vapor. And sometimes God blesses us with that healing right now. But we still will die one day and experience the complete total healing of the body. In His presence. With a new body. As our spirit and soul are joined with that later on. In the chronology of God's time. But here, Polycarp was put to death. And I guess I told you today, they kill us, but they kill us more so with their tongues in America. But don't let it bother you. Don't take it. Don't take it personally. When people are attacking the work that you're doing in the Lord, guess who they're attacking? They're not attacking you. You're not that great. Don't, 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 don't be so puffed up in the head. They're attacking the Christ in you. They're attacking the Spirit in you. It is a spiritual warfare. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. And it's a spiritual issue and a spiritual thing. So, Valdosta, if the church should bless us, With afflictions. Yeah, I said that. Bless us. With afflictions, persecution, and hardships for His glory. Remember the words of Jesus. Remember what Jesus told these folks in Smyrna? He said, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. We don't like to hear that word suffer. But Jesus is telling us, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. And it made me think of Romans 8 and verse 18. You know what Paul said in Romans 8 and verse 18? He said these words. He said, For I consider this present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in you and me. There is a glory that is to be revealed in us, that is to be revealed in us when that day we stand in the perfect presence of Him and we become like Him Not that we become deity or God, no. But we become like Christ in His humanity, perfected. We become like Adam was designed to be before the fall. And what a glorious time that will be. And the sufferings we go through now, for but a moment, are nothing to be compared with an eternity in our existence of perfection. And We must remember that. So don't fear the synagogue of Satan in Valdosta or Tuscumbia or any other place. Pray for them that perhaps God will grant them repentance and they will escape the snare of the devil. Pray for them. But don't let their intimidation silence the voice of truth in you. Whatever type of suffering we may face by their tongues, it wounds the soul. But it's nothing compared to what Smyrna went through and many other believers are going through around the world right now. You should read some of those publications like The Voice of the Martyrs. Do any of you get those publications? It talks about the various things that our brothers and sisters in Christ are going through all around the world. And you realize just how great you've got it. But realize it could come to you. Wow. Stand firm. The, the, the lesson of Smyrna's is stand firm. Be faithful unto death. Because Jesus Christ is the first and the last. He's got it from beginning to the end. Jesus Christ is the victory because He's the one who died and He rose to life forevermore. You've got to remember that, church you got to hold on to that, church. you got to rejoice in that, church. You'll need that tomorrow, church. You may need that tonight before your bed, for your head hits the bed. You need that. So learn the lesson of the revelation of the church in Smyrna. He who hasn't hear, let him hear. And those of us who are of Christ, we will overcome and we will conquer and we don't have to fear the second death, which is eternity in hell. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Father